0: last sunday we, we kicked off a brand new series called plugged in being plugged in and our last sunday we talked about being plugged into spiritual maturity and what that looked like for us to grow in our walk with christ and we all should be growing and I uh, and I challenge uh challenge you last week um to have a spiritual growth plan for 2022 and many of you have done that. You shared that on your, uh, on your connection cards. Some of you emailed me. And, um, and you just kind of shared what, what you feel led to do in 2022. And you gave a plan. And, uh, and, and you're committed to it. You know, you say, I'm going to commit to this plan. I'm going to spend 15 minutes a day reading God's word. Or I'm going to, hey, I'm going to make sure that I'm in small group. You know, I'm going to, you know, you, you came up with a with a, with a set of things in your life, and I hope you're doing it. Listen, um, you're not going to bat 100. There could be times where you say, hey, I'm going to do something, and you, you just, you know, you didn't do it. And, uh, so I encourage you to get back up. And no one, no one in this room will bat 100, including me. You know, there might be a day you just forgot to um, not read your Bible. And okay, the next day, just get back up back up and that's because spiritual growth you're going to get back up and uh, keep pursuing your uh, plan for 2022 and stay committed to it today we're going to talk about being plugged into my sweet spot being plugged into my sweet spot the question i want to ask is are you in your sweet spot are you in your sweet spot now let's talk about sweet spot for a minute I, I've got my golf club, and Alan, if you can help me out here, and uh, there you go, and um, got me a golf club. How many of you got, how many are golfers in the room? Uh, how many of you, uh, are, you think you'd like to play golf, but you're terrible at it? Okay, that's right, that's me. And, uh, but i tell you what, there was something therapeutic this morning when I pulled a golf club out of the golf club bag on a 10-degree morning. was just kind of like, oh, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait for two or three more months, you know, and maybe pull it back out and actually play a round of golf um, come April. And so, um, and so there was something therapeutic, but there's a sweet spot when you golf. There's a sweet spot on your golf club, all right? And, and, and that sweet spot, it actually defines it for you. You may not be able to see it from where you're sitting, but there's a little box right here, and that's where you want to hit the ball. That's the best spot to hit. Now, unfortunately, a lot of times, I miss the sweet spot. When I miss the sweet spot on a golf club, that little golf ball, it's not going to go straight. It's going to go to the right. It's going to go to the left. Uh, or it's not going to go as far. It's going to be a ground ball. It's not going to get past the ladies' tee box. I mean, that's pretty bad, okay? You know, you've got to hit the sweet spot. And I used to think that, man, the harder you swing, you know, the harder you swing, the faster you're going to go and the farther you're going to go. And I've learned that the harder I swing, the more I miss the sweet spot. And I've learned that it's a nice, easy swing and follow through. I can get to my sweet spot. And when I hit it in the sweet spot, man, it's fun. You know, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the woods. You know, I'm not in the sand traps. You know, I'm in the middle of the fairway. And it's a fun place to be. When you're playing in the sweet spot of your game, there's a sweet spot when you play baseball in your bat. There's a sweet spot, you know, uh, we got a couple of soccer coaches up here, right? There's a sweet spot when you hit the ball, you know, with your foot, you know, and when you hit it the way it needs to be hit, you're going to travel far and you're going to go the distance and it could be accurate. You know, in our Christian life, the Bible talks about a biblical sweet spot and it can be defined in one word, and that word is serving. How to serve? Are you in the sweet spot of how you're serving? We're called to serve. We're gonna see that here in just a little bit, but we're called to serve, and when we're in the sweet spot of our serving, man, you're gonna be thriving. You're gonna enjoy it. I got two words. It's not, on, it's not a blank on your hand, I know, because it's right on the side. But when you find yourself in a sweet spot, you'll find two things. You're gonna find fulfillment, and then you're gonna find fruitfulness. You're gonna find fulfillment. You're gonna enjoy what you're doing. If you're in a sweet spot, you're gonna love it. You enjoy doing it. And then at the end of the day, you're gonna see fruit from it and get yourself motivated. You know, it matters to you. You, you want to get better at it. You know, you want to you get better as you hone in on the sweet spot of your serve. And so fulfillment and fruitfulness, you will maximize your fulfillment in life, your enjoyment of life, your impact with life when you find your sweet spot. Now some of us, we are not in the sweet spot. Some of you are not even doing anything with it. You're just kind of going through the motions. But maybe there's some of you, 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 you you're serving, you're doing something. Maybe it's a work, you know, you just say, like, man, I, I, I don't find fulfillment. I hate it. And I don't find any food from it either. And, and I'm gonna challenge you to find your sweet spot. I'm, I'm reminded of when I was in high school, um, I think I was like in ninth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, maybe uh, middle school, but um, I, uh, it was one of those mornings where me and my, my family, you know, my, my mom's a teacher, we go to a private school and I've got two brothers and I'm the oldest, and, and, and so we overslept. And it was one of those days we said, hey, you, eat on your own. And uh, my, my, my brother, um, I've got a middle brother who's like two, three years younger than me, and I've got a younger brother than that who's two, three years, you know, and four, or five years younger than me. So, you know, it's kind of, we're all kind of close in age. And, um, and uh, so we're in a hurry. And I go to the closet and I grab a pants, you know, and I think it is, you know, it's in my closet, therefore it should be my pants. And I put it on and it was a little tight. I said, well, I don't know what's going on. I must have grown or something, but it's my pants, you know, and I put it on. And, um, and, I, and I go to, you know, we, we jump in the car. Mom, Mom didn't even have time to do a, a, a wardrobe check. I mean, we're, we're running late. You know, we're, we're running, we're, we're getting in, and, um, and, and, and about halfway through the morning, you know, everyone is kind of laughing at me in the hallways. Now, I'm deaf. I'm not hearing it but they're laughing at me, because I was wearing pants. I was like, with pants, I was way up here, and it was super, super, super tight. I was like wearing skinny jeans. And I don't wear skinny jeans, -uh. nah. And and so I'm walking around school like this. People are laughing at me. And one of the teachers, uh, one of the co-teachers with my, what my mom goes to and say, you know, why is, what is Scott doing? Is she trying to be funny? And my mom said, like, What are you talking about? Have you not seen your son today? <laughs> and so my mom looked down the hallway and see me walking around with my pants way up here. And she come to me and says, Scott, why are you wearing your brother's pants? I was wearing my brother's pants. I said, Mom, they were in my closet. I just assumed they were mine. They said, you are wearing the wrong pants. And she was mortified. I didn't care. I was in eighth grade. Who cares? I said, no, we're going home right now. And we went home, and I'm going to fix my pants. All right, there you go. Some of my white, my white legs were showing. a little uncomfortable. But listen, I was wearing the wrong pants. Some of you, you're wearing the wrong pants in ministry, in your service. It's uncomfortable, they're not finding no satisfaction. It doesn't fit. Listen, God created you, and each and every one of you, with a mission and a ministry in mind. He created you, you were made by God, you were made for God, you have a purpose. And He had pants, cater, a tailor made just to fit you in ministry. Just to fit you in serving. You know, when we look at the life of Christ, he was in the sweet spot. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus, when Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding, when Jesus Uh, fed 5,000 people by turning bread and fish into a banquet. When Jesus would sit down in the dirt and play with kids around him, when Jesus took time out to help the one lady in the crowd that touched the hem of his garment, when Jesus, when he went and died on the cross, he was in the sweet spot of his life. He was doing what he was called to do, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And what Jesus came to earth to do, was to serve, he called us to do as well. In First Peter chapter four, the writer is the Apostle Peter. And he challenges us in our serve and to find the place that we need to serve. Let's look at First Peter chapter four and verse number seven. He said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert. Be of sober sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, we love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He's talking about here that, listen, Jesus could be coming back any time. But whether he comes back or we pass from this life to the next, we have a mission to do. We're to serve, we're to love others. We're to do it with a heart, of, not grumbling, but we're to do it with a heart of, with a heart of love, a heart, a, a heart that cares about others. We're to work until he comes. And then he said in verse number 10, each of you you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so in this one verse, in this one statement, every one of us should find our sweet spot. we am gonna give us three thoughts here today. If you're taking notes, number one, God expects you and I to serve. He expects me to serve. He expects you to serve. Look at that first part of verse 10 again. of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. The word each, it means everyone. That No one gets left behind. You know, no one gets left out. Each and every one of us is expected to serve. We never get a vacation or a break from serving. You may think it's a nine-to-five proposition, but serving God is not a nine-to-five thing. It's a 24-7 attitude. You see, being a servant is not something that you do. Being a servant is something that you are. It's who you are. It's not action. It's not just action, but it's an attitude. You should have serving hands because you have a servant heart, and when, when Peter wrote this letter, he didn't know the specific people and their gifting and their interest and their passion. He just said, "Listen, each one of you should be serving, you should be serving each other." And I want to tell us something: that the greatest ability in life is your availability. The greatest ability in life. It's your availability. God wants your availability more than just your ability. He wants you to just use what you've got. He wants you to be available. And I I, I think of of Peter, who's the author of this letter, letter, right? You know, when Peter was first called to be a fisherman, you know, he was fishing. And Jesus said, hey, follow me. Be a disciple of me, I call, you know, be a fisherman, follow me. And, 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 and Peter, you know, he kind of pushed back a little bit. He said, well, wait a minute. Jesus, I'm, I'm a little salty, I'm a fisherman. I'm a little salty in the way I talk. And, and, and in fact, you see there, he said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You don't want to have anything to do with me, Jesus. And Jesus kept pressing and said, oh man, I want you. And I find it interesting that Jesus didn't go to the uh, uh, Jerusalem Seminary to find the brightest and the best. He, he found a, a, a high school dropout. He didn't finish rabbi school. Didn't make the cut. Was fishing. And he used that guy. And Peter became, okay, I'm available. I don't know what you see in me, Jesus, but I'm available. The Bible says in Psalm 100, verse two, that we are to serve the Lord with gladness. God expects you to serve him. He expects you to serve others. He expects you to serve the church. He not only looks at what you do, but why you do it. And he's saying that we should do it with glad hearts, with willing hearts, with joy in our hearts. There's a mindset that we should have when we serve, and that mindset is this. We get to do this. I get to do this. Not the mindset of I have to do this. But we get to do this. We get to do church on Sunday morning. We get to to serve each other. We get to do ministry throughout the week. We get to do it. We do it with gladness. We do it with gladness. I got a quiz for you, for your football fans. All right, ready? I'm gonna give you a little quiz. He's a linebacker, played for the Chicago Bears, The Hall of Famer in the 1980s. Who am I talking about? Do I hear Singletary? Because I can't, okay, someone said Mike Singletary. I'm just hoping that someone says it, okay? And I'm just kinda, Mike Singletary, I got a picture of him. And this guy right here, I mean he can hit you so hard that he can rearrange your organ just like that. It's incredible, but I found out recently about Mike. Now, I knew that he was a Christian, follower of Jesus, loved the Lord, but I heard about this recently, that the church that he attends, he attends a church in Atlanta, or not Atlanta, in the Chicago area, you know, he's an icon, right? He's just in a big shop. You know, he got all this money. He, he's famous. But when he comes to church, you know what Mike Singletary does? He shows up at church every Sunday and he empties the trash. He takes care of the trash. Every Sunday, he goes around and he helps clean between services so that the next group of people coming in could come into a clean environment and empty trash can for your cup of coffee and, and for the previous group. I mean, here, here's a guy, listen, here's a guy that has so much money that he could buy janitorial crew to clean the whole city of Chicago, but he serves. So, not only that, not only does he empty the trash. You know what else he does? The beast of a man. You know what else he does? He works in the nursery, taking care of babies, changing her diapers. You know, and, and doing well so far, unless he spikes a the baby, then he's out. Okay, <laughs> can't can't do that. Maybe here this morning, you think you'll be shot. Uh, you don't, maybe you think, man, I'm, I'm too good. I'm too important. I don't need to serve. Listen, my friend, we don't serve out of obligation. We serve out of obedience to God. Everyone is called to serve. Here's the second thought, if you're taking notes, that God equips us to serve. God equipped me, God equipped you to serve. God never asked us to do anything without giving us the power and the equipment to do it. And so we see this again in verse number 10. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. You should use your gift. I'm talking about a spiritual gift. Spiritual gift is different than fruits of the spirit. Some people, you know, they get it confused. Fruits of the Spirit, it's nine different fruits. And when you become a child of Christ, a child of God, all nine fruits are planted in your life. And uh, you don't get to pick and choose the fruit. Uh, you, know, you, know, if, you know, one of it is the fruit of love. And if you're not a loving person, say, oh, that's not for me, listen, you don't have a choice. A child of God, God can put that fruit of love in your life He's gonna help you grow that fruit, so that you can be a more loving person. You know the fruit of patience. God put that in your life, and uh, and as a new believer, He wants to develop that fruit, so that you can become more patient, especially on the hard road. Right? He wants to develop those fruits. A spiritual gift is different. Spiritual gift, you know, there's a a whole list of them in the Bible. There's some debate on how many. Some say seventeen. Some say in the twenty. There's a, a number of, of gifts, but not one Christian is going to have all the gifts. And so you have all the fruits of the Spirit all nine. Every one of us, if you're a follower of Christ, but you won't have all the, of the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts measure your, it, you. Know, it gives you the tool for your spiritual ministry. Fruits of the Spirit is your spiritual maturity. All right. So let me let me talk about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. You see this on your notes. See on the screen. It's a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at his conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. It's to build others up, not yourself. God gives you a gift not for you to keep it to yourself. So stop being selfish. We're to share it. We're to use it to build each other up. Can you imagine if I do that? Can you imagine if I kept the gift to myself and said, no, 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 that's all for me? This is for my benefit, for my good. And if, and if that's the case, there's a good chance that I wanna be here this morning. There would be a good chance I wanna be behind the, uh, the pulpit, preaching and sharing my gift with you. And so we've got to use the gift, spiritual gift is given by the Holy Spirit to every believer to build up the body of Christ and to build each other up. I'm gonna give a 10 truths about spiritual gifts. 10 truths. number one, only believers, only believers have spiritual gifts. I'm gonna kinda go through this pretty quick. Every Christian, number two, has at least one gift, has at least one, or number three, no one receives them all, okay, so understand that. So everyone receives one, but they're not gonna get all 17 or 25, you know, At most, and this is my opinion, that at most I believe three is what a person might receive. Maybe four. But listen, if you only have one spiritual gift, that's awesome. And you're no less spiritual than a person that thinks they have three or four. Right, and so one, two, three, or four. I know the Apostle, uh, Apostle Paul, I don't have the time to do this, but the Apostle Paul, we can look and we see that he had three spiritual gifts, he had three spiritual gifts that we can find in the scripture. And so, if you think you got all 25 spiritual gifts, then um, I'd like to meet you after the service, okay? No one has all the gifts. Number four, no single gift is given to everyone. All right, so we don't have a common denominator in this room of every believer got this one gift. God has a variety. And we do that so that we can all be ministering to each other in different ways. If we all have the same, then we won't need to minister to each other in that capacity. Number five, you can't earn it. You can't work for a spiritual gift. A gift, a gift. It's a given to you. Number six, the Holy Spirit decides what gift I get. In other words, you can, <laughs> and your spiritual gift is not like going to Walmart in your shopping cart and say, okay, I like the gift of mercy. I don't want the gift of teaching. That's not how that works. You don't get to pick and choose. In fact, the Holy Spirit knows you better than you know yourself. And he equips you exactly what you need as far as your spiritual gift. And number seven, the gifts I'm given are permanent. Once you've been given it, you've got it for life. You don't have a 10-year lease on that spiritual gift. It's yours. And you have all your life to develop that gift. Number eight, you're to develop it. Why to develop the gift that God gives you? Just like a young child and this, you know, every child, every person has muscles, and as a young child you don't see the muscles when they flex. You know, I, I love it when little Abigail, when she was little, you know, sit check out the muscles, you know. It's always like this. And it's like, ooh, Abigail, it doesn't, you don't see anything, you know. But ooh, Abigail, you're so strong. "Oh yeah, daddy, I'm strong. Oh, okay, you know. You know, but listen, the older you get, and the more you develop those muscles, the more that you begin to feel the muscles. You become beastly like me, you know? You can start seeing it. I'm just rip. I'm just totally rip. (laughs) Develop the gifts. Uh, You gotta develop those spiritual gifts just like those muscles. You gotta develop it. The more you use it, the better you get at it and the stronger they become in your life. Number nine, it's a sin to waste the gift that God gave you. It's a sin to do nothing with it. And then number 10, using my gift glorifies God and it grows me. It helps me to grow more spiritual in my walk with him. So here's the question for you, what is, your spiritual gift. What is your spiritual gift? Uh, a lot of different ways to, to try to find this out. I, I've got on your handout note at the end, uh, under the, what, uh, the, the takeaway section, you'll see that on your handout. Uh, I, I gave it one website. But you can actually just Google spiritual gifts. Now, you gotta be careful with this. Because you can actually manipulate the answers you want. Okay, you, you, can, you know, the question, you know, why is the gift given? You know, do you like to give money? Uh, you know, I, I like to think I do, yes, but you really don't. No, okay. <laughs> you know, and so you gotta be careful how you manipulate. So this is, here's my point. You know, when you take the spiritual gift test, think about three or four, maybe five. Look at the top five. And, and, and don't, and don't say that's it. Now look at your top five. and say, okay. I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to do a test drive. I'm going I'm I'm to find a way to use this gift in, in ministry. And I'm going to talk to my ministry leaders. I'm going to talk to the, the, the staff at Laypoint and say, hey, here's my gift of teaching. Help me find a way to use this gift. We want to help you find that whether teaching kids or, or teenagers or, 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 or adults in our small groups, and find a way to teach. You know, or, or maybe it's another gift, and, and, and try it. And sometimes you, just, you need to see them. Can't just try it one time. You try it for three, four months. And if you start to find that fulfillment and fruitfulness, then, hey, you may have found one of your gifts and then start to develop that even more and go at it. You know, at the end of three, four months, you know, you're not finding fruitfulness, you're not finding fulfillment, it's just like, oh man, that's not really, it's, you know, it's the wrong pants. You know, it's not fitting so well. I thought it fit at first when I pulled it out of the closet. You know, but after a couple hours, you know, it's not, it's not working for me. Okay, then move on. I uh, so uh, that's just a, uh, a thought there. So one, but one of the greatest problems that churches face today are gifts that have never been unwrapped. Spiritual gifts that never been unwrapped. Uh, there was a husband uh, who, who walked into work one day and uh, from home and walked, came in from home. Uh, from work, and his wife was there, and and the wife says, hey, you know what day it is today? He said, I do, I know what day it is today. It's our 25th anniversary. And she said, yeah, you remembered. (laughs) Did you buy me a gift? And the husband said, yes, I bought you a very unique gift. He said, well, what is it? He said, before I tell you what the gift is, honey, I want you to realize that it took a lot of thought um, you know, it, it's something that's gonna be quite useful and it's very expensive. I want you to know I put a lot of money into this. And I think it, it's something that you will need one day and I, I think you're gonna like it. So she could hardly waste it, so what's the gift? And she said, well, I bought you a, a burial plot in the most exquisite cemetery in town. And I've already, I, I already bought the, 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 the grave marker, you know, it's, uh, your marker is it's solid bronze overlaid with 24 karat gold. And your grave will always be immaculate, it's gonna be wonderful, and it's kinda like, okay, wow. That's really different, but I, I kinda like that, you know, it's a real nice thought of my future. And so, anyway, you're passed by, and they're sitting at the breakfast table having coffee. And she said, honey, you know what day it is today? She said, yes, I do. It's our twenty sixth anniversary. She said, yes. Did, did you buy me a gift? Husband said, buy your gift? You never used the gift I bought you last year. <laughs> I am so sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> hey, listen, too many people are not using the gifts that God has given them. you got to unwrap it. You've got to use it for the glory of God. Listen, your gift is important. And what you do with it matters. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, look at the next verse. Peter says, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, They should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Peter, he divides the gifts up in two types, speaking and serving. Now I'm exercising right now a speaking gift to you. But what what he does here, what, what he's saying is while I'm preaching, while I'm preaching the speaking gift, while I'm exercising my speaking gift, there are others right now that are exercising their serving gifts. And I wanna, listen, I wanna thank God for the sound people, uh, for the lights, for, for, for people in the nursery, uh, people handing out, you know, program as you come in, and people, helping people park cars, people that give food out and at the food pantry, and there's a worship team that sets up the, the message. I thank God for that because I'm in my sweet spot. Listen, I'm in my sweet spot because others exercise theirs. And together, we're glorifying God. Let's come together. Here's number three. We'll be wrapping it up. God encouraged you and I to serve. He encouraged us to serve. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It's a super inspiring verse. It blesses me every time I read it. It's the Bible says that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work, and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Listen, you might think that your service to God is just a lowly task. That's a 10 out program coming in or changing baby diapers. It's no big deal. Saying, you know what? It's so behind the scenes. Maybe you help during the week and no one notices it. My, my friend, God notices. God sees it. And God will reward it. And God won't forget it. Most of what we do in life, listen, most of what we do in life, it really doesn't matter. But when we serve, God, serve others, and serve his church. It matters, not just in this life, but for all of eternity. One more verse of scripture, and it reads like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. He said, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, we gotta stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully not halfway done, not a little bit, but give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I love the message translation here. It says, throw yourself into the work of the master. You're confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time and effort. There's no work for God. That is insignificant and unimportant. Now, the takeaway. I want to wrap this up here. The takeaway is very simple. Two questions. What is my gift? What is your gift? Can I talked about that already. Pray that you do some investigation. Maybe you already know it. You know, my gifts are, my gifts are administration and shepherding. Those are my gifts. And I love it, man, I thrive when I'm in those two areas. You know, and so that's my gift. Doesn't mean I don't do the preaching, doesn't mean I do the teaching, you know, and I, I enjoy doing those things, but I really thrive when I'm shepherding people and when I'm in administration and in behind the scenes of the church. Those are my gifts, but what are your gifts? What are your gifts? And then here's the second question. Where are you using it? In your program, This is so important. I don't want y'all to miss this, but the a card, it's, it's just one-sided, it's green. It's a volunteer interest, volunteer interest. There's a list of things here to do. We need help in helping out your kids, parking. I mean, there's, 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 there's a place for you somewhere on the street. We've got English as a second language class. The mission class, man, that's a Monday night. Every Monday night, we're, we're helping people, the nations that don't know God, that's in our own backyard, people that don't know the English language, and teach them English at the same time, sharing the gospel. We need help with that area. You could be a teacher in that. You could help with the kids, when they, you know, they bring their kids. The kids, by the way, their kids know English better than their parents, you know, because they go to school and all that. But, you know, so, we, we need some help and with the, watching the kids once a week well you know once a month twice a month um, in a couple of weeks we've got our next generation saturday training and i give you a special morning i'm mean, gonna encourage you if if you're already a volunteer in our lp kids now our lp students to make a plan to be here on saturday morning january 29th from 10 to noon two hours got some special things here, we wanna equip you so that we can be better equipped to reach the next generation for Christ. So that we can teach them and love them and help them to grow in their walk. And so don't dismiss it. And if you're not a volunteer, and LP kids or LP students, but you want to, and this is a great on road map, you know, on road ramp right here, to jump in, come to the training, and be a part of that, and jump in, and learn more about how you can be plugged in into the sweet spot of ministry. And so, last thought here is this. We say this all the time, that every believer should lead where they're gifted and serve where they are needed. I pray that you will lead where you're gifted, but at the same time, be like Mike, Mike Singletary. I'm gonna empty the trash. I'm not even sure what the spiritual gift is for, for emptying out trash. But that's a servant mindset. You know, I'm going to change the diapers in the baby room. know, I'm not sure what the spiritual gift for that is, but I'm going to lead where I'm gifted and I'm going to serve where I'm needed. I challenge you today to press into your gifts and find a place to serve. Get started. Take that card, fill it out, Put it in the offering basket. Take it home if you need to. Don't, don't, don't. Just stick in your Bible and forget about it. I said last week that by Wednesday, you're gonna forget 95% of the things I said. So don't forget about it. Make it a priority and get plugged in into the sweet spot. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, help us and I'll walk with you to get plugged in to the place that you have for us. We were made by you, and we were made for you with a purpose. Help us to thrive in our sweet spot. In Jesus' name, amen.